Hello and welcome to Hillcrest To Go. I'm your host, John Parker, and today we are so excited to launch a new channel on our podcast network called Neighboring. The Neighboring podcast was created with a desire to become better neighbors and to help each other become better neighbors. The topics introduced here will cover a wide variety of subjects and issues we all face every day, such as family, finance, parenting, single adult life, networking, careers, social media, parenting teens, and much, much more. Today I have two very special guests with me. First of all, Dr. Tom Goodman. I'll introduce him and then we'll meet our other guests. Um, Dr. Goodman, I know you as pastor of Hillcrest Church. Introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your family. Well, uh, it's good to be part of this uh, first part of this podcast series. Um, So Diane and I have been married for uh, now over 40 years. We have two sons. Um, uh, both in their early 30s. Uh, I am, uh, well, we call Houston home, but I was uh, born in Montgomery, Alabama. We moved around quite a bit. Uh, We lived in uh, the Philippines and in Virginia and in Maine uh, when I was growing up. And then in my uh, junior year of high school, we moved to Houston. Diane and I met when we were in high school. And uh, so her parents are still there. My mom's still there, so we call that we call that home. We call Houston home. Excellent. Um, now you serve on staff at Hillcrest Church as pastor. How long have you been pastor at Hillcrest Church? Well, I've been been serving as uh, a pastor in several churches since I was nineteen, so over forty years. But the uh, the time here at, uh, at uh, Hillcrest has been uh, nearly 19 years. I came in 2003. Wow, that's a long time in one place. You've seen a lot of changes in the greater Austin landscape during that time. I would guess probably when you moved to Austin, the population was under a million probably in the, mm-hmm. in the outlying areas. So now mm-hmm. we're over 2 million in the mm-hmm. greater Austin area. Yes. All right, so in your career of these number of years, you've lived in probably a number of different types of communities or neighborhoods. Give us a couple of examples of some communities you've lived in. Yeah, well, the uh, uh, the town of Montgomery, Alabama, I was there for my first 11 years of life, and the street I was on had uh, a lot of uh, families who had kids the same age as, as you know, my, my brother and I and my sister was. And so, uh, that obviously gave us uh, a lot of playmates and uh, we had uh, a lot of outdoor hours and that kind of thing to spend together with all of those folks and so uh, that was one type of neighborhood and another uh, neighborhood we've lived in uh, we moved from there to the philippines and uh, we uh, most of the people that i interacted with as a as a kid uh, were folks from uh, that uh, I met from school and from church more so than from the immediate neighborhood. It was uh, just kind of a different vibe, a different feel. Um, when uh, I served as pastor in Eastland, Texas, that's a town of about 3,300 people. 
And so, you know, pretty much the entire town is your neighborhood at that point. You, you do have uh, some regular acquaintance with people on your street or whatever, but you, you know everybody there and they know you for better and for worse. Uh, and one of the things that uh, was interesting to me is that serving as a pastor in a setting like that, as opposed to se- serving as a pastor in a town of over two million people, is that um, at First Baptist Church in Eastland, I was kind of the chaplain of the town uh, and uh, kind of uh, looked upon in that role uh, instead of just being one pastor of many churches in town, it was kind of became the town chaplain. So that neighborhood uh, felt different as well. Um, and uh, of course, moving here, the introvert that I am at first, uh, it it um, it felt a little bit strange to go into a grocery store or into Walmart or something and absolutely nobody know who I was. But uh, being an introvert, I got real used to that real quick. All I had to do is put on a ball cap and I was immediately incognito here in Austin. <laughs> Now, I know that you lived, you guys lived in the Cayman Islands for a while. What was that neighborhood like when you were there? Well, in a, in a sense, it was, uh, even though it was larger in population, uh, it was a lot like living in Eastland, Texas, in the sense that I've sometimes described the Cayman Islands as a small southern town without an interstate running through it. You just, there's a lot of the... Um, uh, the rhythms and the and the sort of the cultural priorities and that kind of thing, particularly among the Kamanian people themselves, which was very much like a southeastern United States town of 30, 40 years ago. Uh, so again, in that sense, it was uh, I was kind of the chaplain of the island uh, in that sense, and so a lot of people knew who I was. And you know, I used to tell people that living in Eastland and living in and Grand Cayman, um, Diane would not send me to the store for just bread and milk because it would take 45 minutes. It would take uh, all that extra time because people would be stopping me in, you know, this aisle or that aisle or the parking lot, you know, to ask a question or uh, update me on some prayer request or something like that. And again, uh, there, you know, I, I don't get that in uh, living in a city like, uh, like Austin. And I miss that sometimes. And of course, I don't miss it at other times. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I can kind of be anonymous if I want to. Sure. As you viewed um, neighborhoods through the years, what factors would you say have played the biggest role in the evolution of neighboring? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, three things come to mind when it comes to the changing of people's willingness to deliberately build relationships with their neighbors. One is just the increase in commute time in cities like ours. We all talk about uh, how uh, how much traffic has increased in Austin, but of course you're in a metro area anywhere, you've experienced that uh, all your life. And so as people have to spend more time on the road to get back home, the last thing they want to do is sort of hang out in the front yard and talk with a neighbor if that neighbor is even in the front yard themselves. You want to, you know, get home and veg and maybe have a little bit of time with the kids if you have kids at home before you have to get up the next morning and head out again. I would say, uh, you know, another thing that especially more recently has made neighboring more difficult is how polarizing our uh, cultural conversations and political uh, conversations have gotten. 
Uh, not that it was, I suppose, ever easy to talk with somebody who differed substantively with you on topics, but these days uh, it's almost impossible for people to not see somebody who disagrees with them as an outright enemy, not just somebody they differ with, but as an outright enemy and somebody who's going to be uh, toxic to the culture if they continue to hold that view. And so it, it makes conversation really difficult. And uh, you know, I, I would say to a certain degree that sort of the transitory nature of life that people come in, uh, it used to be uh, that for a lot of people, when they joined a company, they retired at that company. And if they joined that company, they moved up through the ranks of that company, but in the town that they were at, they didn't have to necessarily move to another place to you know, gain a promotion in a company. But now, of course, uh, you might have three or four or five different company jobs as, as an employee. And if you get promoted, that probably means moving out of your town to headquarters or whatever. And so that's just people uh, get in, they settle in, and they make some relationships with people they know, people they like, and they don't really work hard in investing long-term. I, I agree. I think mobility may be one of the biggest factors that has evolved or changed neighboring is that if you feel like you're only going to be in a part of the country for a short period of time, you're more resistant to making deep and meaningful uh, relationships. So. Right. Mobility, I think, has changed it quite a bit. So tell us a nice thing that someone that you viewed in neighboring that made an impression on you through the years. I could tell a number of stories. One that comes to mind that uh, just uh, we still tell as a family story in, in, a, in my extended family is the time that we lived in Maine. And I, I suppose, uh, of course, my parents have al always been quite frugal, but they also probably did not anticipate that they would be in Maine for a long period of time. And so when it came to snow removal of our driveway, um, my mom bought one shovel and I was supposed to spend a stretch of time and then give the shovel to my brother and then he would, you know, uh, spend the stretch of time clearing off the driveway. And so uh, my brother got half of the driveway done and kind of came in and handed me the shovel. And I came in maybe three or four minutes later, and he, he said, you can't possibly be done. And uh, I said, go look. And he looked outside. The driveway was completely clear. And what you, what you uh, uh, have to know is what happened was my uh, next-door neighbor had come in, saw me clearing the driveway, and said, get out of the way. I've got this. And he had a, a blade on the front of his truck cleared it all off in about two minutes time and my part of the job was done so I don't think my brother's quite forgiven my neighbor our neighbor about that even even now um, in these last two years of covid I've witnessed a number of neighboring things that that I hadn't seen in a while in in the neighborhood that I lived in people going out of their way to be helpful to others and also, Last year in the quote-unquote snowpocalypse that yes. the greater Austin area had, so many neighbors helped one another. Mm -hmm. um, someone would be without electricity or without water, and neighbors would step up in those community groups to say, how can I help, what can I do? And so in that way, I think COVID has turned the switch back on to good neighboring. Mm -hmm. My second guest here with me today is Mr. Jonathan Yates. Jonathan, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
All right, well, um, my name is Jonathan Yates, as you just said, and uh, I am the Minister of Education and Administration here at Hillcrest Church, and I've been doing that for a whole—this is my third month going into it, so this is a new position for me, uh, new to the Austin area as well. And so uh, before that, I was in McKinney, Texas, a little north of Dallas, about an hour north, and uh, so I was a children's minister at a church there, so— yeah, it's a little bit of my background, I guess. Tell us about your family. Yeah, so I am uh, married to my beautiful wife, Melissa, and we've been married for uh, 12 years. We just celebrated our 12-year anniversary uh, last week, and um, got two kids. We have Autumn, who is nine years old in the third grade, and uh, you know, with Autumn, we're trying to figure out, you know, is she going to be in jail one day or is she going to be president of the United States? We're still <laughs> we're still trying to figure that out a little bit. And uh, then we have Lincoln, who's six years old. And um, Lincoln is the one who makes us laugh no matter what. He always whatever he says, it's just like, where did that come from out of left field? And anyway, just great fun, fun to be with them. So. Great. Thanks for that information, and welcome to this program today. Now, tell us about some different kind of neighborhoods you've lived in through the years. Yeah, so growing up, I grew up on 30 acres out in East Texas, so I had a pond in my backyard, and so my neighbors were my brothers. I have three brothers, so we spent a lot of time outdoors, and um, uh, you know, the neighbor across the street from me was my aunt, and directly next to her was my grandfather, and Right down the street from that was my uncle. So those were kind of my neighbors, per se, in as far as proximity goes. Um, however, uh, the little town I grew up in in Douglas was a very small town and a uh, small population. So to tell you how small it was, I had 18 in my graduating high school class. Wow, so you mm. finished in your top 20. I did, yes. <laughs> and um, my twin brother was one of my um, classmates as well. So that tells you just how small the town was. So kind of like... Uh, Pastor Tom, you were talking about the everybody knows everybody in that kind of a community. So your neighbors really kind of open up over miles. And so I grew up with, uh, or my neighbors would probably have been my friends that I had at school, people I came in contact with at school. And so, um, yeah, it's kind of one of those things where you go to the local diner and everybody knows who you are. You go to the, we drove into town to Nacogdoches to go to the Walmart. Like that's, that, that was, you know, a, a 20 minute trip, you know, but you always bump into somebody, you know, in town. And so that was kind of the, the neighborly experience I experienced um, as a, a young person into my college years, pretty much. Cause I stayed there um, and went to school at Stephen F. Austin. Then I uh, moved and moved into to the big city of McKinney, and that was a big change for this country boy to go through this big city experience or whatever. And so, um, you know, uh, as a young single, it was more about meeting people uh, through church. That's where I met a lot of uh, people uh, my age, because that's what you're looking for when you move into a big city like that. And so that was, that was part of my uh, neighbor experience. And then when Melissa and I met and we got married, we moved into a neighborhood and uh, had kids. And then we got connected with, with families and 
kids are are great at helping you become better neighbor <laughs> mm-hmm. because you can't help but let your kids just run around and you're outside watching them because you want to make sure that they're safe and playing in the street and all that kind of stuff. So uh, as you do that, the neighbors have kids that are around the same age. They come out about the same time and you, you just they force that relationship, whether you want to be isolated or not. But that's kind of what um, my experience has kind of turned into. That's how a great way to open up and meet people. You've both mentioned the dynamic of small town living and how everyone really feels like a neighbor to you in a small town. But does a big city also become like a small town in the areas that you rotate in? For instance, I eat at the same diner near my house a couple of times a week, every week. And so those people have become my neighbors in a sense. And I I shop at the same H-E-B, and I've gotten to know the faces of some of those that that helped me there at the store. And so that becomes my own little small town. So even in a big metropolitan area, I think we end up swimming in a small stream in a bigger pond, kind of. So, Jonathan, from your viewpoint, what are two or three easy ways that we could all be better neighbors? Well, before Jonathan answers that, let's uh, have Jonathan and I turn the questions on you. And you introduce yourself and tell us about your family and where you're from. Sure. Uh, John Parker, I've, I've served in local church ministry since 1986, so for 35-plus years. My family is my wife. Um, we've been married for about 35 years. We have three children. They're grown now, 31, 29, and 27 years old. And we've lived mostly in um, urban-type areas, um, I, I guess really suburban areas, not really um, urban, but suburban. And, um, you know, in the home I grew up in, my family knew every family on the street. Our street was about a half mile long um, from one circle to another. It had a little traffic circle. And there were probably 40 houses in that length. And I could, as a kid, I could go and tell you the last name, at least, of every family who lived on both sides of the street. And now when I think about the street I live on today, um, I know I know one or two. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it's also like Jonathan said, I don't, I don't have little children that force the action, that force you to go, all right. Because it, when you're a nine-year-old kid, the first thing you do the day you you have the moving van in there is you're looking around going, who's going to be my buddy? Who who can I hang with? Oh, look, there's a kid over there. So they're highly sensitized to, and, and they see things that we no longer see as adults, like, you know, a toy in a yard. Well, I know a kid lives there, you know. So it's it's very interesting dynamic. Um, so so tell us, Jonathan, what are some practical things in your opinion that we could all do that are just that don't take a lot of time? They're just little thoughtful things we could do to help be better neighbors. Yeah, I think one uh, it's pretty easy. It's just to be available. Uh, one of the cool things at the neighborhood I moved into, the next door neighbor. Right after, I think as we were unloading the truck, just came over and introduced himself. And then he told me, hey, if you need any tools, uh, if you need any help with construction projects or whatever, I can do those types of things. I'd love to help you out. So being available with whatever you're gifted with, I think, could definitely go a long ways with people. Um, Being present so that, you know, as... uh, 
as it gets warmer, I think for sure, you know, people are going to be out doing yard work and, and those types of things. People walk, uh, walking their dogs or walking with their kids down the street as they ride their bikes, you know, being present out there and having a conversation because most of the people, are, if you're, especially if you're new to an area, they're going to know, Hey, you're new to the area. And like, they'll introduce themselves to you. But also if you, have been in the neighborhood for a long time, be looking for those people that, you know, had the for sale sign in their yard. And when you go by their house as somebody new moved in, just say hi and welcome to the neighborhood. And this is a great neighborhood and in those types of things. And if you have any kind of, uh, any kind of uh, connection with them, uh, be looking for that, you know, kids, like I said, are an easy way to, to make connections with new people. But, you know, in conversation, we'll find out uh, we, we have the same sports team that we like, you know, and, uh, those types of things, or maybe you don't like, but y'all like talking about those, about sports or whatever it may be. Find that common interest, and that's a great way to just get connected. But I think more than anything, showing uh, being a servant to someone is a great way to do it. If you ever need help with something, uh, if you need me to uh, pull in or, or get your mail, collect your mail for you while you go on a vacation or a trip, like something of that nature. Caring for pets, you know, a lot of a lot of homes have pets, and you know, sometimes they'll hire a teenager or or someone to come over and feed their pets or take care of their pets, bring up their newspaper for them, bring their trash can up. Uh, things like that, I think, are really easy ways without making a huge time investment to show good neighborliness. What do you think? Yeah, uh, some of the things that we've done over the years uh, as a church where we've tried to mobilize everybody to do the same project at the same time uh, I, I, I would reiterate those uh, things for people who uh, have been at our church a while. They'll remember them. And you don't have to wait till we schedule something like this church-wide again to, to do. So one thing we did uh, a few years ago was we took everybody through the book, The Art of Neighboring. And one of the key things that that book does is it gives you uh, something that looks like a tic-tac-toe board, and you put your name in the center square, and then you just try to fill in the other squares around that square with the names of your neighbors and maybe the uh, names of their pets as well, you know, those neighbors' pets and uh, act activities uh, that they're interested in or where places where they work. In other words, the more you get to know those neighbors, first thing, of course, is at least just get their name, but, um, you know, try to fill in even more of that square with more information about them. And that, uh, I think, is, uh, is a really helpful thing. That, and you could do that just on your own. You don't have to wait for a church project to do. Uh, another thing we've done is we challenged the entire church to um, adopt National Night Out. You know, may not be aware of this, but a lot of uh, uh, police departments and other first responder type departments and communities all around the nation uh, host a National Night Out. Uh, and for Southern towns and western towns that uh, where it's just so blazing hot in the middle of the summer, they tend to wait until the fall for theirs. But it, you know, there's uh, you, you can uh, you can uh, host a national night out party in your front yard, you know, for your street. And not only does that uh, give you a chance to get to know your neighbors better, it gives them a chance to get to know you. Uh, so there's not necessarily anything explicitly evangelistic about that, but it's a it's a step toward that, you know, because you get to know your neighbors. And you, again, don't have to wait for a churchwide campaign to, have, you know, be the block captain for uh, your national night out. 
another thing we've done as a church is we challenged everybody to uh, put a flyer at uh, the door of everybody on their street or everybody in their uh, their section of the apartment complex and, and tell them that we're collecting for the food bank. And uh, if, uh, you know, you'd have food left out your door, you know, at a certain time, we'll kind of come by in a little wagon and gather that up. And again, it was just a really low impact way of getting neighbors to at least see your face and for you to see them. And I, I had, I'd in fact, had several conversations with, with people about that, and they thought it was a cool thing to do. Another thing that I've done, we didn't challenge the entire church to do this, but I, uh, there are often opportunities for you to be like street captain or block captain uh, for your neighborhood organization. And uh, joining your neighborhood organization and getting on their newsletter committee or you know, becoming a block captain or something like that, that's going to put you in front of neighbors who are already, they already have a desire to be active and to make a difference, you know, in their area. And so that would be a good thing to do. I, I enjoyed my, whatever it was, three years, I guess, that I was block captain. Did you get an armband with that? I got an armband. I got a chance to halt traffic and tell them to slow down. That's right. <laughs> Hopefully they didn't give you a whistle, though. It, there's an interesting dynamic in my neighborhood that I think contributes to neighboring, and that is our street backs up to another street where we all share a common fence. And there's this um, tic-tac-toe, you know, you mentioned the art of neighboring, but I've had several conversations over the fence with my neighbor, which I think is is a hearkening back to days gone by when people used to just hang over the fence and just visit with their neighbor. But I, I find that very, very interesting. And it's been most of the neighboring I've done in the place where I live, I've lived now for eight months has been over the fence neighboring. The other thing is, I think we all need to watch in our neighborhood for those who may need assistance. Homebound people, um, one of the best neighboring acts I've seen was a a 12-year-old boy in my neighborhood that found a lady across the street from him who was not able to take care of her lawn. And every summer that I lived there, this young man went over and cared for this lady's lawn, which I think is just a fantastic way to be a good neighbor. Um, you know, you, you mentioned things that a church can do. Well, when you look at Jesus and, and his two greatest commands, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said the second one is, is just as strong, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, Tom, um, we seem to have lost the art of listening to understand each other. You know, people are polarized in their viewpoints and in their own dogma sometimes that we need to be listeners. We need to listen to understand where someone is coming from because, like you said, our community is so diverse and communities across the world are more diverse than they've ever been. But listening to understand and listening to care, I think, is is a, a pathway to having meaningful faith conversations in the future with our neighbors. Anything else you guys want to add today as we come to the end of our conversation? Well, it's just such an important topic. It's something that needs to, uh, uh, churches need to revisit 
from time to time. So uh, I'm glad it's an ongoing commitment in our church and and reflected in uh, this this podcast series that that uh, that you've decided to come up with. I think it's a, a good thing for people to get to know their neighbors, get to know their neighborhood, and uh, and and in hopes of making a difference in people's lives, and ultimately in hopes of having a natural bridge into conversations about the gospel. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much. Dr. Goodman, thank you so much for being with us today. This concludes our Neighboring Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like more information about this podcast or Hillcrest Church, we would love to hear from you. Connect with us now at hillcrest.church.